Welcome to volume two of Jerry Tales. Jerry Crispin is a living, breathing, recruiting history podcast. Joel and I had an opportunity to sit down with Jerry for over an hour and a half to talk history, now, and future state of the recruitment industry. This is the second in our Jerry Crispin series. Enjoy, after a word from our sponsor. Dude, we're always talking about cool new tech, but it's hard for hiring companies to change. I mean, adoption's a bitch. Yeah. New tech can get them to qualified candidates so much faster. I know, man, but recruiters already have their routine in place and nobody wants to jump into another platform, especially when it's expensive and also requires hours, maybe days of training. Exactly. But that's where Uncommon's new service comes into play. Uncommon pairs expert recruiters with in-house kick-ass technology. All right. Interesting. Interesting. It sounds like Uncommon understands the problem of change. That's why they hand-select veteran recruiters, train them on this kick-ass technology that has access to over 100 million active profiles. Yeah, yeah. But I bet they're expensive and I bet it requires some kind of annual commitment or contract, right? No, man. Uncommon is not an agency. They don't require a contract, any contingencies. All they do, they charge one flat fee per project, saving, I don't know, anywhere from 50 to 80% on each hire versus the average agency cut. Oh, snap. Companies could save big stacks of paper especially if they're rapidly scaling and need hires today. Yep. And all you have to do is reach out to Tag and the Uncommon crew at Uncommon.co. That's Uncommon.co. Change doesn't have to be a pain if you're using Uncommon. Hide Hide your kids. kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous Dangerous podcast. podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right Right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. What do you remember from that first sort of Super Bowl with uh, Hot Jobs and Monster? Do you remember anything about that period that, that stuck out? Oh, sure. I mean, the the monster um, uh, ad was probably the most extraordinary thing we've ever seen in our in our space of recruiting. No one had ever spent that kind of money um, to to get visibility. And and what it pressed it, what, what it created was a recognition that there was going to be a major shift from the $10 billion that was being spent on print recruitment advertising to, to basically shifting all of that. All that money was going to move. And, and it had. In, two, in 2000, it hit $10 billion. In 2001, it moved from $10 billion to five. And today it's no more than a billion. Here's the funny part, Jerry. There was a there was another uh, job site that actually ran ads that nobody remembers. Which one are you talking? Hot jobs. <laughs> oh, hot jobs. Yeah. So so hot jobs was going to be bought by hot jobs was going to be bought by Monster, if you recall. Yeah, but not not just then. Uh, coming out of the gate. So this was Ju- January 
of 99 when monster.com launched in late January, early February. I can't remember exactly when it was. That's when we did the ad, but hot jobs also did an ad. And so did Victoria's Secrets. They had all these online properties that were finally doing ads and all of them, all of them, when, I mean, they, they couldn't handle the traffic. The only one that could handle the traffic was Monster. Right. And uh, so nobody remembers that Hot Jobs ran ads uh, or Victoria's Secrets or what have you. The, that All their shit couldn't even take the right. traffic. So, yeah, I mean, it was – now their ads up well, too. Monster was out, now, Monster was out there uh, significantly before. So they were they had obviously a, a heads up on in terms of visibility, and then obviously the hot jobs uh, managed for a while. I don't I, I don't know if you remember, but it wasn't long after when hot jobs was uh, they uh, originally sold, right? But originally sold to Monster, and the U.S. government um, sued Monster as a monopoly uh, to prevent them from buying hot jobs. I don't know if you realize that. I don't remember that. Uh, I don't remember that at all. Well, well, that was year. I'd have to. I'd have to go back and look. To be honest with you, but it was in the early two thousands. Okay. So two thousand, two thousand one, something like that. Um, I wrote. I wrote a a a screed post that this is the stupidest thing I'd ever heard in my life. (laughs) I was then called by Monster's lawyer defending their ability to buy uh, hot jobs. Yeah. And uh, as a result of that, the lawyer said, How, we want you, Mark and I, to go to um, uh, DC uh-huh. and and be our expert witness when we, when we meet to defend that we should be able to buy hot jobs. And I said, Okay. And they said, how much would you want? And I said, well, 3000 an hour. I just pulled that out of the, uh, the ceiling. The ether. And the ether. And he, he laughed and he said, I don't make 3000 an hour. That's your fault. I said, how much do you, I said, how much do you make? He said, 300 an hour. And I said, okay, I'll take 300 an hour from the time I leave my home till the time I return and Mark will do the same. And he agreed to that. Now, when I said 3000 an hour, I meant for the two hours that we might be in the meeting in DC. Yep. So they paid us for three freaking days, <laughs> 600 an hour. I was the best deal I had ever made. <laughs> and we, and we spent a total of two hours in um, in DC in a big conference room with a a, 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 a board boardroom where you could put fifty people around a table, and there were like ten people from Monster and uh, Mark and I, and there were like thirty people on the other side who represented the government, and um, Mark and I spoke for maybe fifteen minutes. And that was it. And they won. Was your was it just like here's our book of three thousand job boards? Yeah, uh-huh. they, and they won. See you later. And and uh, so Monster won, and uh, and but then Yahoo bought yeah. Hot Jobs. And actually, you know who was 
part of that was Dan Finnegan, yeah. who just left Job Vite. Yep. Job Vite. You know, you you could argue that Hot Jobs Super Bowl ad was way better investment than Monsters. Because Hot Jobs spent almost all their money on that Super Bowl ad, but it, it, it put <laughs> them immediately in, into the same <laughs> But, but from a, a, from a brand awareness, argument. from a brand awareness standpoint, they immediately became. Yeah, the but here's what happened. Board. Here's here's what happened from a, a hot job standpoint. Hot jobs didn't take money from staffing companies. They only took money from direct employers. Seventy five percent of monsters revenues when we launched in January of ninety nine were what? staffing companies so i had friends that worked at hot jobs right. and i used to give them shit all the time because we were raking in the fucking cash from staffing companies and hot jobs were turning them away where do you think they went to me <laughs> i'm not arguing the revenue question i'm just arguing like the first time i heard about hot jobs was at the the sherman minneapolis in 1998 they had a 10 by 10 booth and they were a punchline. And by 99, they had a Super Bowl ad and they were the number two player in the right. job board and space. Then they crashed. <laughs> no. And then they got and then bought. They crashed. And then they went public and made a ton. They made a. It's Dick yeah, Johnson, it Dick. right? It was the founder. Yeah. He's oh, yeah. a rich man. Like, I mean, you can you can argue all you want, but like the dice they rolled, he scored on that one, in my opinion. It's a good point. It's a very good point. Interesting. You know, um, if you think about how far back that is. And still we're talking about 20 years, um, ago. 20, yeah. you know, it's 20 years ago. And, and, and you come forward and I'm, I'm shocked, not shocked. I'm, I am amazed at how much money has been spent in the first four months or five months uh, uh, in mm -hmm. 2019 uh, investing in job boards. Not, it's, it's amazing oh, it's how much money is yeah. is being put into job boards today. But they're not spending that on tech, though, Jerry. What are they spending that on? They're spending it on the actual the the database of people that are. They're spending it on the data. It's kind of like LinkedIn, right? Yep. What do you spend that much money on? You spend it on the fucking data that they have, the people, uh, all of. I mean, all that data. What can or you the do? Opportunity. Yeah. What can you do from a technology standpoint to be able to take this old crusty job board shit and actually create something that can <laughs> leverage <laughs> leverage that data, right, and make it into something that's worth a shit in 2019, right, or 2020 or what have you. But uh, I mean, it's all about data right now. I believe it's not about the technology because shit, Google's the one who has the technology that's power and stuff. Yep. And Jerry's a big proponent of privacy. And if, yep. if the data is so valuable and the privacy issue comes to light, which we think it all will, uh -huh. how much is the data worth if it's not by the, you know, uh, by voluntarily given by Right. the private citizen. Uh -huh. I think I think we have um, the technology now to be able to literally ask permission over every data point. Yeah. Um, but yeah. no one's holding anyone accountable to do that except I mean the closest obviously is GDPR but 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 we have not uh, in many countries um, gotten to the to the level where we would accept that the data about me that exists anywhere is mm -hmm. owned by me. Well, in California, that's going to happen next year because stricter laws, uh, stricter than GDPR is going into effect in California. And then you have uh, CEOs like Colin Day who are saying, look, 
we're we're switching the the whole entire quote unquote paradigm to more of a focus on the actual candidate. It's their data, and they're talking about uh, creating these uh, these passport. profiles. Yeah, the passport that is controlled by the candidate. So. I believe the only way that that we can actually move this industry is to have leaders like a Colin Day say, this is what we're doing because it's the right thing to do. And then for all those other assholes who aren't going to change, have the federal government do the right thing for the people and actually regulate it. So, you know, it, it's going to happen. Not to mention, we just uh, we're talking about a pod that dropped today about uh, 13.7 million individuals who had their data in ladders had all their shit free and open on a freaking aws uh cloud system i mean it's like what the fuck is going on here i mean citadella is not new to this shit right citadella was at hot jobs (laughs) yeah he's not new to this shit right how do you fuck that up well a lot of easy ways and there you know (laughs) apparently he's he's not the only one out there the the, the fact of the matter is, I, it's just how we treat uh, the other side. And, uh-huh. and fundamentally, until, until it's recognized that uh, candidates have significantly more power um, and they need to recognize it themselves. So it's not just employers. It's candidates need to step up uh, to make better decisions or want to make better decisions about their own careers. And I think that's coming as well. The recognition that uh, there's a lot more questions that they might want to ask in before they start making a good, solid job and career decisions. Right. And I do think, uh, again, that that's coming. When that when that starts to, to converge, then I think we're, we're going to see a lot more um, quality choices between employers and candidates because you'll have both sides Uh, making quality decisions as opposed to trying to figure out how to get one side to make that decision. And that's, that's, to me, that's always been this, this, a serious problem is that the transparency has always been on the side of the candidate. I need to, I, as the candidate have to share every relationship I've ever had professionally and why, why it went well or bad. Yeah. Um, and on the other side, I can't ask you, the hiring manager, mm-hmm. tell me about everybody who's ever worked for you in this job and where they are now before I decide whether I want to work for you. And tell me about the quality of the team that you've got and where they're going. These are the folks that I've got to work with. So until we start getting more transparent about that, um, and most companies are not willing to do that. There's, I mean, we struggle with figuring out how to ask the damn salary question. Why would that be a problem? You don't ask the salary question. You tell people, you tell people what your compensation approach is, and that you're, for example, you know, here is the band, right? And and eighty five percent of all the people we hire come within, you know, um, within this range. And that's kind of what you got to negotiate with. Well, to get to pay transparency in the first place, you're going to have to go there. And and again, this is one of the, which pisses me off. Companies, some companies have actually taken the step to be more transparent in pay. 
Um, most of them are they're they're just they're covering their eyes and they're covering their ears and and, and just hoping that it goes away. It's not going to go away. Federal government's going to step in. But we now have data. Not just federal government, but you've got Glassdoor, PayScale. I mean, all kinds of sites ask for salary information. Well, and increasingly, the, their algorithms will put put ahead. Those mm-hmm. who do share that information, clearly Google is, has yep. been um, uh, leading in, yep. in terms of that. But Talent Board uh, last year asked the question of candidates, um, how they were or if they were asked salary, and if so, how were they asked? And we could correlate their ratings to pieces of that question. So for example, companies that uh, shared information about salary before asking anything (laughs) were rated higher by those candidates. Yeah. Companies that asked the salary question, that asked the salary question and refused to to answer the question about salary were rated lowest. So you mean transparency was a positive? This was a duh. Yeah. But the point is, if candidate experience is going to impact you, and we can demonstrate that it does, then obviously this is an issue that should be a no-brainer in terms of at least at the at the worst, you should be asking for salary expectations. But that didn't give you much of an advantage, to be honest, over asking salary. Keep an eye and ear out for more Jerry Tales coming soon. Sailwash out. Hi, I'm Tristan. Thanks for listening to my stepdad, the Chad, and his goofy friend, Cheese. You've been listening to the Chad and Cheese podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on all the knowledge dropping that's happening up in here. They made me say that. The most important part is to check out our sponsors because I need new track spikes. You know, the expensive shiny gold pair that are extra because... Well, I'm extra. For more, visit chatcheese.com. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.